Hello, and welcome to the official Anite podcast. I am your interim host, Requiem, filling in for Poton Storm, who's busy studying Yakuza establishments in Taiwan. Good luck with that. Uh, I look forward to Proton with no pinkies. <laughs> joining, joining me today, uh, as almost always, is Doc Kev. Good evening. Good to have you back, Doc. Thank you. Uh, also, yeah, how you feeling? Like shit, but apart from that, fine. It's like the most Scottish answer possible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Also joining us this week is Ray Kaze. Hello. How's it going? Good. See, that's a simple answer. I like it. <laughs> uh, also joining us this week is uh, That's My Pizza. It is very much my pizza. Is very much your pizza. And I want to assure everyone that we are recording this for the first time. Yeah, definitely. Didn't, yeah, definitely didn't lose a podcast last week due to uh, somebody forgetting to record. I mean, the no, audio. None of our podcast hosts are so incompetent as to not hit the record button before we started. Yes. <laughs> it's not possible. Anyway, also, this week's podcast is brought to you by Shiro and Barnaby, the world's cutest kittens. Nice. Nice. Anyway, let's get some housekeeping out of the way first. Over on our official blog, the reason this podcast exists, that's uh, anite.org or anite or medium.com slash anite official. We have a bunch of articles all written by the doc. So, doc, why don't you run us through your latest ouvert? Yeah, it's been a wee while since we looked at the articles on the website. So, in the last sort of month or so, um, I finished looking at the Monogatari's final season. It's taken me about three years to get through the Monogatari series because, to be honest, it's a bit much to watch all in one go. Um, so you can look at my impressions of that. I also finished uh, a look at Katsuhiro Otomo's films, with which um, our p- podcast host Requiem helped write one of them. Woo-hoo! Eventually. Um, so I got it done. Was- <laughs> I just about had to threaten his life to get it done. But anyway, um, so that was on Spriggan, which Otomo had some kind of vague involvement with. Um, I also wrote a couple of articles about the previous anime season, the spring 2022 season, and about all the far too many shows that I watched. Um, and laterally, there's a couple of articles about the music of the Monogatari. Uh, you're cutting out, Doc. Yeah, you disappeared entirely there, Doc. Oh. All right. Um, where did I? Where yeah, did music I... of Monta, Mono, and then you disappeared. Okay, so music of Monogatari. A couple of articles about that. Um, there's so many musical tracks in that whole show. There's probably almost forty. <laughs> so I thought it would be good to uh, talk about them because there are so many good tracks, and there's so many not so good tracks. And just the last couple of things is for some reason um, Anime News Network turned a couple of my articles into videos, which is really, really weird watching somebody else read my words. And my wife says apparently they enunciate everything wrong, probably because they're American. 
<laughs> Probably. But hey, Probably. it's like, just think of it this way. You got Anime News Network to essentially make a uh, an audiobook of your articles without having having to pay them. They actually paid you to yeah. write them, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. So they didn't tell me they were going to make videos, so I was kind of surprised as what what is this? Okay. Um, but you know, it, it, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, they've paid for the words. They can do whatever the hell they want with them. They can even it's, tattoo them to their thighs if they like. I don't. I mind. just think it's so weird to like make a video of somebody else's article and not tell them you're doing it. Yeah, hey, it could be even weirder. Like they could do the thing uh, where they essentially print out your entire article and then just like clip out certain words and make like a murderer note or something like that. Oh yeah, more. there's always room for more weird. It's anime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm credited on the video, so that's fine. Um, and you know the the video editing itself is pretty good, and I, and I like that they've added scenes from the anime that I was talking about that kind of fits the words. So I have no complaints. I think it's pretty cool. As I say, my wife thinks it's very, very, very aggravating. You should have made these videos yourself. Like, yeah, I'm not a YouTuber, darling. I'm never going to be. Now that attitude. <laughs> it is a lot of work to to make a video. Like, like yes. what what Doc mentioned with getting like clips that fit mm. that's really hard mm-hmm. um, because you have to come through and like make that judgment of oh does this fit what i'm trying to say or usually i just put random stuff and and like the editing of the of the uh, pot the episode or video can take as long as writing it so yeah I'm sure it can yeah so um i think they look good and uh i have no intention of doing such a similar thing myself as i have a full-time job and a family to look after yeah, good. You jo- you you jobbed it out. Yeah, there's some yeah, contracting for you. That was totally the plan. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Doug. Uh, we want to make your articles into a uh, video. Oh, really? When are you going to do that? Two hours ago. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. Come read what is ostensibly a group blog, but is really just ninety percent doc and then a few collab pieces. Yeah, some of you other guys have to get your fingers out your arses and start writing stuff, honestly. I have cats now. All my free time is now gone. (laughs) Write about cats. (laughs) Yeah, do you know how hard it is to herd cats? It really is. I can't get them to do anything I want. (laughs) It's just like having children. Yeah, pretty much. Except Ah. these won't disappoint me. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's head into the news next and then into our first impressions of the season, which now has two or three episodes out for every show because of the uh, delay in getting this episode recorded, which we will not speak of again. Uh, Let's see. Let's just start with the bummer news. Uh, Pizza, why don't you tell us who died? Yeah, so it's really a shame, but um, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh, real name Kazuo Takahashi, uh, uh, passed away on July 6th. And it's just a real shame because he created Yu-Gi-Oh! And a lot of anime properties nowadays are influenced by his works. And even like till today, he's still working on Yu-Gi-Oh! And doing a lot of cool creative stuff. And if you read some like his afterwards of the actual of the Yu-Gi-Oh! volumes, he just seemed like such a nice and creative guy. And yeah, it's just a huge shame and... I just wish the best for his family, and I wish he could have. This didn't have to, didn't happen at all because we just lost such a cool and creative mind. Yeah, way too young too, in some kind of weird snorkeling accident. Yeah, it was a snorkeling accident. 
Yeah, that's a shame. God knows like his the impact of Yu-Gi-Oh is difficult to even put into like words. Obviously, its impact on manga and anime, especially of shonen, especially if it's about a card game or a game of any kind, is pretty much uh, indisputable. But like the long-term reach of Yu-Gi-Oh, the card game, is just inestimable. Yeah, and just the pure sincerity from his general writing and everything he works on is just so, so heartwarming, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the world would be without his work on Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, it certainly would look a lot di- a lot more different. Yeah, it'd, be, it'd definitely be less anime fans, because we all know Yu-Gi-Oh! was a gateway into anime for a large number of people from the last couple generations. Yeah. Like, I, know... I still... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's like, Yu-Gi-Oh! was actually one of the very first animes I actually started watching. And as much as the... Like, even with all the silly four kids uh, changes, it still made the series a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, it's just a really good. T- the original Yu Gi Oh! series was so fun to watch. GX was also really fun. And I absolutely love 5Ds because card games on motorcycles. I mean, who doesn't love card games on motorcycles? What other show does card games on motorcycles? Exactly. I, I never saw the third season of Wixos. Maybe they did it. <laughs> <laughs> True. I okay. really don't know if uh, TCG would have caught on without Yu-Gi-Oh. Basically, that was the TCG of like my generation. Like, like everyone was into Yu-Gi-Oh when I was younger, and and that's still the the most popular one. I mean, I know I know there's other ones now, but but I, well, I don't think TCG would be nearly as big as as it is without Yu-Gi-Oh. At yeah. least in the West. It would exist. I mean, Magic yeah. existed for about 15 years before Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Pokemon, of course, has theirs, but um, would no it be as big? Really Probably not. Pokemon. It's just really? like a collector's thing. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. I mean, I, I used to play it a little bit, but there's not a lot of people play it. Mm. All, all I know about it is that Logan Paul like wears a, a, a Pikachu card around his neck on the way to the ring. So That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that one. But yeah, it wouldn't be as big, obviously, because Magic was a very niche product even back when I started playing it in the first generation of those cards, which mm-hmm. shows how old I am. Yeah, and I believe the only other like media ventures they really went into were like uh tie in novel like tie in like YA novels and really not any like T V shows or anything. No. The novels were pretty good though. Yeah. I just remember a lot of them having a lot like a lot of DNA from like YA novels that are based on Dungeons and Dragons, which always confused me. All right. Well, let's go from that very sad news to news that is also sad. Uh, Doc, what uh, anime series is getting another live action treatment that it probably doesn't need? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so Netflix, who just can't seem to learn any lessons at all, have decided to press ahead with a Netflix TV live-action adaptation of Death Note. Again, this time it's going to be run by the Duffer Brothers, who are the guys who are responsible for Stranger Things, um, which I believe apparently is still good. Um, I've only seen the first two seasons, but um, 
I'll maybe catch up with that eventually. Um, I don't know. They seem like they reasonably know what they're doing, but I think they should leave um, Death Note alone. <laughs> we have a good adaptation. It's anime. Even the Japanese live-action adaptations weren't very good. So if the Japanese can't adapt it, why the hell does Netflix think some random Americans can do it? I don't know. I know I won't be bothering you watching it. <laughs> the uh, the Japanese live action was actually pretty decent. Really, I've never yeah. seen a, a decent Japanese uh, adaptation live action of anything. And and I honestly say that the ending of the live action is maybe more interesting or better than the ending of the anime and manga. But uh, mm. well. Okay. That's mm. not saying a lot since I've mm. haven't heard anything good about the anime or manga ending of Death Note. It went on too long. Um, it should have it should have ended about two thirds into its run. And that's where the live action ends. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, we all know that Death Note should have ended when it, the battle with L was over. Yeah. Yes. And L should have won. I mean, that's how I would have done it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they, I'm sure this is all just part of Kira's plan anyway. It's all according to Kakaiku. Yeah. <laughs> and then this will fail and they'll try it again. They're like, oh, no, if we, we just have to do it right. It's like communism. <laughs> uh, rolling on from that, another series uh, is getting a live action adaptation that will also appear on Netflix. Although I don't think it's a Netflix production, I think they're just licensing it. Yeah. For some reason. They decided that Yu Yu Hakusho needs a live action adaptation. Now they need to stop them. <laughs> it's too late. They've already they already uh, announced who they cast as Yu Yu himself, uh, Yusuke. Yeah, but uh, apparently this got announced last year, and I just missed it completely, or maybe my brain refused to accept it. Probably the latter. But this is the worst idea I've ever heard, and that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I think it could work, but I think they would. Uh, the production would need a lot more budget and special effects to actually make it. Good it just doesn't the... make sense. Like Yu Hakusho is just so quintessentially anime. There's so many things about it that, like, like effects and stuff would have to just be bonkers. Like, there's yeah. no reason to live action it other than. You like... remember that Netflix is also making a live action One Piece. Which is also gonna, gonna, which is also going to be ridiculous because it doesn't look right. Mm. This is just—I don't know. I just—I uh, I hate to sound like old man shaking fist at cloud, but some stuff just needs to be left alone. Yeah, but the main thing is, I'm just kind of getting uh, Attack on Titan live action vibes from it because that oh. also was a Japanese production, and the. The concept of the series didn't really uh, lend itself to be done in live action, to be honest, unless they had a good, like Marvel movie budget. Mm. And you, I'm kind of kind of just feeling the same about the Yu Yu Hakusho um, live act live action adaptation. And I've also heard some things about the Japanese like live action production. Uh, see, uh, like scene in that there isn't a ton of money in it, so a oh, lot great. of the stuff seem will tend to be a bit lo- on the lower budget side. Oh, God, this is gonna be. Have you seen? Have you I seen did... any of the live action versions of uh, Kakigurui or Kaguya-sama? I have not. 
Are they bad? They are so bad. Oh. Like, the, the, the overacting and cringe factor is just stratospheric. It's unbelievable. Oh. Oh. I just like, don't understand the audience for these. Like... Especially, I, like, I you either. mentioned One Piece, right? Like, mm. like, do they think that One Piece is not, like, approachable enough for the mainstream audience when it is gigantic as a, a medium? I guess for the Japanese-made only ones, I, I kind of get it, right? Because they have these TV deals and they want to fill up slots and mm-hmm. their audience is people who would just be watching TV in Japan. But these Netflix ones make zero sense. Like, well, I, can, I can see Netflix thinks that the One Piece IP hasn't been exploited very well over here. But they're wrong. <laughs> they're they're so wrong. wrong. They're very wrong. But, yes. but that's probably what they think. But it's just, it's very simple. There are some exceptions, like the the Rurouni Kenshin live-action movies are fantastic. Also, I heard really good things about the live-action movies for the Phoenix Wright series as well. Yeah, those were fun because they, they knew what they were doing. They leaned into how stupid it was. Yeah. And... The Blade of the Immortal live action movie was fantastic. I loved it. But if you're going to tell like period stories or you're going to do a drama or romantic comedy, those will translate to live action. But if it's a shonen, if it's a battle show, if it has goofy, ridiculous elements that don't work outside of animation, even if you spend a lot of money on it, it won't look right. Yu Yu Hakusho has like the, like the guy running hell is a baby that talks. That's not going to work in live action no matter how you do it. They could turn him into a floating head. You never know. Just just let it go, guys. <laughs> there are so many anime that you could live action without a big deal. Like, why do you have to reach for the brass ring every time? You know, they fly too close to the sun, and every single time their wings melt and they crash to the sea, and they just, you know, swim the shore and start the next one. Yeah. <sighs> like, they learn nothing from how bad Cowboy Bebop crashed and failed. Nothing. Like, oh, we just tried to adapt the wrong one. Yeah. Uh, I hate these people. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they'll move on to Overfiend or something next. Oh, or, God. or Devil Man. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> oh, God. I dare them. I dare them to make a Yurisuki Doji live action. <laughs> Those tentacles don't look real at all. Okay. Uh, also, Gundam Witch is going to premiere or something. Um,. We're also getting uh, season two. The second—it's really not season two. It's the second half of Bastard should be dropping in like was it like a month? September. Yeah, yeah. but that's good because God knows the story was half finished. That wasn't like a real season one. That was you took a story and didn't want to give us all twenty-six episodes. Okay, that's enough of that nonsense. So let's get on to the new shows of this season. Most of them, I think pretty much every show is debuted by now, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, most have two or three episodes out. So we have, we're starting to get that, you know, real, that good feel for how the season is going to go. Most shows you've gotten to that three episode test before you decide whether you're going to keep it or No, you chopped out for a second. Could you repeat that, Rec? Yeah, hold on a second. We skipped the the Kaguya news. That's fine, but just... oh crap, we did. Yeah. Oh. All oh right, shit. Dial it, dial it back. Dial it back. Going back. Going back. And uh, one last piece of news, obviously, we we couldn't skip at all, is uh, apparently a 
a popular anime series, you know, some people like it, is getting a movie to, you know, complete a story arc. Uh, Ray, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, the very popular Kaguya-sama Love is War just had their third season. And where the season ends is basically the beginning of a fairly short but very important arc in the series. So instead of having that be season four, they decide to have it theatrical. Which is super exciting because Kaguya already gets a bunch of A1 budget. And imagining Kaguya in in a movie budget is, is very exciting. Uh, movies can be a little scary for anime because a lot of times they get stuck in Japan and we have to wait months before we can actually see it. But... This one, it's going to be getting a TV broadcast after its theater screening. So hopefully it'll be like Made in Abyss where, you know, it'll be widely available to watch. It's quite unusual that something like a a rom-com would get a movie because you think it would be a bit too episodic. But this particular section of the story, I think, does lend itself very well to a movie because it becomes much more serialized at this point and, and much more focused. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, I think the, the decision to turn this into a film is probably a good one. Yeah, the only, con- the only concern would be, of course, that if it's available over here before season four comes out. I think yeah. most things have become available to us recently. Like with Made in Abyss, you know, that was made available. Um, the, the saga of Tanya the Evil, that, that movie came out. And, um, you know, it wasn't much difficulty getting a hold of the Demon Slayer movie either. I mean, both Crunchyroll and Funimation started showing that well before the new season started. So I think that's become less of a a consideration now. We might not get it immediately, but I think we'll get it soon. Yeah, hopefully it gets theatrical release over here. Mm. Um, This is the the arc after the momentous events of the end of season three before it moves on to Mm. its new storytelling, I'm assuming from what I've been told. I know that this is Proton Storm's favorite arc, and you know mm. he was hyped up to see it, it get adapted. So the fact that it's getting a movie, he probably crapped his pants. <laughs> <laughs> probably. It's it's so hyped that I'm almost curious to go watch it, and I don't watch that show. <laughs> it's, it's so good. <laughs> Kaguya gets better over time. If, mm. if, if the first season, the first season is easily the weakest part of the the, the series. Um, but I mean, you kind of have to enjoy parts of the first season to enjoy the series. A lot of people, I mean, it resonate. The Kaguya has resonated with people like me and Proton. It's my favorite manga. Uh, I love the anime. So like, I get that like some people won't feel that way, but because it, I mean, it's not their kind of series. They don't like the like, um, comedy aspects of it from the first season, but the 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 writing is pretty strong the the way they handle characters is is amazing and and i think this arc is a really great example of how they make relatable characters that are going through interesting engaging things and i think the writing remains strong later into the manga as well i mean i just read volume 22 recently and the anime's only adapted up to i think about the end of volume 14 or so um, so you know, if they continue to adapt it, there's a lot of strong material left to adapt. And I hope they do. I hope they give this a complete adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it will have to change a little because it won't be quite the same as a sort of will they, won't they sort of romantic tension kind of thing because they do move past that. 
but it moves into some place very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it goes from like will they, won't they, to can they? Yeah, kind of. Is what I was told by those mm. who, know, who have knowledge of such things. Yeah, and that's quite a fertile place for drama when it's written well, and it is written very well. Okay, well, that now the news is complete, so let's move on to the new shows of the season. We've gotten a couple episodes in by now. Uh, we got, you know, you get a good feel for the season. Tried to hit those three episode uh, tests where people start deciding whether to keep or drop shows. So let's see where everybody is. Uh, first of all, let's talk about something that dropped on Netflix, you know, like we just mentioned, the first 13 episodes. It's a bastard, heavy metal, dark fantasy. The only show that has magic spells named after Megadeth and Halloween. <laughs> yeah. So, Doc, uh, what did you think of it? You, like me, probably remember the original bastard OVH from the 90s. Well, I never got that in the UK. I did, however, have the manga. So um, back in, I think it might be in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, Viz were still releasing comics in like floppy American format. But for Bastard, they released ones that were like about three times or two or three times the length of a normal comic. So somewhere between 60 and 100 pages. And I remember thinking the art was amazing, um, but thinking the story was awful. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't um, surprise me. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and the the anime is a very, very faithful adaptation. Um, I mean, the, the main character, he, he is a total bastard. Um, <laughs> oh, man, it's just like in the title. <laughs> just Yeah, it does what it says on the tin. Um, it, it's quite difficult to empathise with him because he is such a bastard. <laughs> he's a womanising and crude, and he's, he's almost always naked, which is something. <laughs> that cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, there's a shit ton of fan service in uh, this yeah. in the Netflix a- adaptation, and it goes both ways. It's hilarious. Yeah, it, but what's really weird about it is that it's also strangely censored. Like, you know, there are no nipples. Um, well, not the women <laughs> anyway. And like, you know, you think in, in the UK on Netflix, it's rated 18 plus. I, I don't know what it is anywhere anywhere else. But with that, you kind of expect that there might actually be something fairly explicit in it. But it's very coy. It's, it's, it's really weird. It, t- it tips up, it tiptoes up to that line every time. And yeah. it gets too explicit for to have like other you know, young children in the room or, you know, oh, to yeah. embarrass you if your spouse catches you watching I, it. I, but not I couldn't watch this with no, nobody else in my household would watch me. No, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is by myself in a darkened room. But not so <laughs> explicit that it gets you on like a watch list. No. Uh, and it's, it's quite funny. It's a bit repetitive. It's very funny. I thought. <laughs> I mean, I'm so, like, I'm obviously so wired to like it because it reminds me of my childhood. You know, what kind of childhood did you have? Well, I was about, like watching anime when I was young, and I still had hopes and dreams. Right. You know, <laughs> so it connects directly to that nostalgia part of my brain. But it's also it's it's because it's so '90s. It's yeah. so ridiculous. Like with naming its main country Metallicana. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the idea that like he's this great evil powerful wizard, Dark <laughs> Schneider, which. By the way, if you took a shot every time they said Dark Schneider, you'd be dead by episode three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Dark Schneider. Dark Schneider. Uh, Dark Schneider. Uh, but it's so dumb. Like, he's super powerful, but he's also like pussy whipped, basically. If that's a word you're still allowed to use. It's accurate. He's completely like afraid of this little girl because that kid's brain is mixed in with his. I think that's hilarious. 
It's, it's also a, a bit much, though. I can't take more than an episode or two of this at a time, so I've only managed to get about six episodes in, and uh, I, I find my resistance to it rises quite rapidly. As this is like so stupid, I feel like my brain is melting out my ears right now. So yeah, I pretty much I, only got I got pretty much two episodes into the series before taking a step back. I just like all he has to do is like wave his you know pantsless you know you know hips toward a chick and like say hey I'm Dark Schneider and like these enemies like fall in love with him immediately. Yeah, you can't take it even remotely seriously. It's it's just it it doesn't want you to though. No, it's just a big piss take. That's basically what it is, and you have to be in the right mood for that. Um, And if you are probably lubricated by several beers, I expect then it's probably a good time. But if you're looking for anything remotely serious, then uh, it's even it's like, not, it's not the anime for you. There's even times where the characters go, this is supposed to be a kid's comic. It's supposed to be shonen. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. This is a shonen jump. Yeah, random shonen jump. I know. Like, okay. <laughs> the characters actually call that out, which always amuses me. I don't know. Yeah. Your mar- miles may vary. Dep- obviously, it depends on your tolerance for this kind of show. A show yeah. that's just having as much fun as it can obviously you know come along the train though like, come on the bone train yeah i mean it's got 13 episodes out now and then there's a further i think 11 coming in september yeah so um but the, the concern i have is the manga's never been finished because i think the the author the artist i think he has some kind of degenerative problem or something he's not able to draw anymore um so th- there's not been any new installments since about 2010 so it may be a story that never ends, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, I mean they could always go or animal original or animal anime original ending. Yeah, yeah, those always work out really well. Yeah, yeah. they're always they're always great. Yeah, yep. Anyway, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm here for him calling Slayer down upon his enemies. Yeah, I'll see. <laughs> I couldn't really get into it because my main issue, well. Because of the relationship between Dark Schneider and uh, Yoko, the main female lead, in that Yoko is just kind of annoying and selfish, and I yeah. uh, like her whole reason for not wanting to like summon Dark Schneider to potentially save everybody in her kingdom while it gets ransacked is because she doesn't want to kiss uh, her brother figure, and mm-hmm. like. Well, Dude, you, you have more important that. things to worry about than kissing your brother. And it just keeps coming up and up again. It's just not funny. It's like, Yoko, the whole co- everyone in the country is about to die, but I but you're all watching. Anime incest will save the world. Yeah, <laughs> like you have more things. It. Yeah, you have more things to worry about when your life is on the line than kick- kissing your brother. You know what they always said? Yeah. In- incest is wincest. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They're not actually, probably... It's not his actual brother, though, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But my other issue is just, it kind of drags on with that unfunny comedy for so long. Like, I mostly just wanted to see big explosions in Dark Schneider chewing the scenery. And yeah. we do get some of that, but it's just not enough. And the other stuff that fills the runtime is just not that good, in my opinion. You do get a couple really kick-ass battle scenes in there. Yeah, but not enough. And what, what, basically is kind of do like filling in for it is just not good enough for me to really engage with. Yeah, fair enough. 
And, well, I recommend it. So you all know who to listen to. <laughs> all right. So three of us are watching Vampire Romance show from the Neudemann. I never had, you know, it's the block where animation's backwards. I never know Neutamina? how to say it. I don't know. Is yeah. that how you say it? Neudemann yes. A or Notamina? Anyway, it's that block, which usually produces good work. It's Call of the Night. Uh, Ray, you're watching that, right? Yeah, yeah. I always say Noitomina. Uh, just to, you know, Japanese, they have um, characters, you pronounce each of them the same way. So, Noitomina. Okay. So, okay. Uh, uh, I, I don't know how to feel about Call of the Night. I, I watched an episode. I, I was starting to watch the second episode, and I wasn't really feeling it. I know this is probably a hot take because a lot of people seemingly really like it, but but I felt like a lot of the dialogue felt forced and unnatural, especially in the first episode. It got a little better on the second one, but but I wasn't vibing with it. Yeah, I have to strongly disagree. Yeah, I, I quite like it. Um, I think the music's really funky. Oh, the music's yeah. great. I love the OP. Yeah, and it looks very good. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I'm not sure about the main girl. I don't really like the fact that she looks like she's half asleep half the time. Maybe that's the point. Just the way yeah. her eyes look. I think um, she's just exuding millennial energy at that point. Is that what that is? Right. Yes. I don't. I don't think so. But but I actually really liked the the main girl. I just didn't like well the interactions between the MC and the MC himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. By the way, but she's a crazy pink hair girl, Doc, so I think you're legally well, obligated to be a fan. That's true, and that, that goes a long way to me appreciating the show a great deal. Um, so I, I'm going to keep watching it. Um, it's, it's quite horny. Um, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> In a good way, though. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I, I kind of wonder, can they sustain that through 13 episodes? Um, I'm sure they must add in some complications or some drama or something. Uh, at the moment, it's mostly just been a two-hander between the 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 boy and the girl. So I'll be interested to see why, how they spin a story from that. Like I said, it's only been the two episodes, but I really like it. I love. I really like the interaction between like the boy and the girl. Like the there's always. I'm always a sucker for any story with a with a immortal or long lived character because their perspective is always interesting. I love the idea of the reason you can't go to sleep is because you're not satisfied with how your day went. Yeah. And that, mm, mm-hmm. that would explain why I've been an, an insomniac for the last 20 years. <laughs> it's just I cool. Sleep. I sleep the sleep of the just. <laughs> yeah. There's got that. Uh, it's got, I don't know. It's hard to pronounce. It's got this cool factor. Like sometimes mm. the show just feels cool and it's really almost impossible Especially on, a, on a, an audio only uh, you know medium like this, to explain why it's cool, but it looks cool, it sounds cool, and I love both of the main characters. That, that their vibe was was really really neat. It's got a really cool use of color. It's got um, such a distinctive look to it. Uh, yeah, the like purple that night thing going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm in, very much looking forward to see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely cool. Uh, I don't know if I'll keep on watching, but if I keep on hearing good things, I might continue. Hmm. Okay. Once again, three of us are watching 
one of the weirdest damn things I've ever seen. It's Yurai Deco. Also, as Ray Kazi knows, Ray's zero, so it's U zero Deco, mm. which didn't strike me right away because I'm an idiot. What was uh, it again? Something zero. Is U zero Deco, which is huh. like it, it, it leans into the themes of the show. If yeah. you uh, if you watch the show, it makes perfect sense. Oh but yeah, yeah, reason, yeah, I get it. When I saw it at first, I didn't catch that that was that it was zero. Um, yeah, yeah, it's weird as hell, but I like it. Uh, Doc, what did you think of it? So I made the mistake of watching this while highly febrile due to freaking COVID, um, <laughs> which I would say altered my perception somewhat. Mm-hmm. So it's already quite a freaky looking show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a real anxiety about certain things to do with social media and how interactions are rated and things. That There's an episode of Black Mirror called... Um, Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one where every, everybody has like an, an app and their interactions with the people are rated on a five-star scale or whatever. And if they don't have a high enough rating, they can't access services and things. Yeah. And um, I, I couldn't finish watching that episode because it was making me so, so upset. <laughs> it's, it's so unfair. It's horrible. I can't manage this. It's essentially mm-hmm. society in China at the moment, how, how that runs. And, and this, this is the anime version of that. No, uh, the episode is nosedive. Nosedive. That's it. Yeah, just I, I, I love Black Mirror. I love every other episode. That is the only episode I could not finish watching. Uh, it was mm. just so close to the bone. So if you don't mind that sort of just existential horror about the sort of the shit-filled pit that society is being dragged into because of social media, then you'll enjoy this. Um, but I, I just found it. It, it basically tri- <laughs> Holy triggered. Shit, a- but- Put that on the back of the box. But is is it, enjoy the right word? But I mean, it, it, it actually triggered a panic attack. Now, I think it's because I was so unwell and had a temperature of about 40 degrees Celsius and was rigging oh, at the time. And I was like, <laughs> I really wasn't thinking straight. The second episode did not cause such a reaction. So I think it's just because I was sick. Probably. <laughs> um, but it's still, the, the, the thought made. It makes me uncomfortable about the whole metaverse thing and everything is so tied up into how sort of social interactions are are, are graded. And I think that that's a really fertile place for um for fiction. And I just hope that it makes it interesting. At the moment it just looks colourful and pretty. It reminds me quite a lot of decadence, especially the kind of robot kind of aspects of that, because of all the sort of funny um, cartoony designs of it. Oh, but dang, I quite... need to finish that. Sorry. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure where the show's going. Um, but I mean, there are only a couple of episodes in so far. Uh, I, I'm. I'm not finding it quite as interesting as I thought I might have done. But I'm going to keep going with it. I don't know well, what you guys think. It. It is kind of like a happy, colorful, shiny dystopia. Mm. Um, yeah. Like you said, like I thought about that too. Because there was an episode of The Orville that I did the same thing where they went to a planet. Where if you got too many dislikes, you were executed. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, and this is kind of a similar thing where like it's so integrated into life that like likes are the currency. Like instead of money, yeah, you, know, you spend or receive likes. Mm-hmm. This sounds so exhausting. <laughs> like you can actually pass your likes down to your next of kin and everything. And uh, <laughs> we, uh, I, I think we got a glimpse of where it might be going with the thing with the parents being content moderators, but she didn't know that. Mm. You know, yeah. and, all until like the end of 
Well, I think it was the second episode. Yeah. She didn't know that until the end of the second episode and like how mad she was because the implications, if your society is so integrated into social media like that, what that level of censorship would means to that society. So I think we might be going into some interesting territory, potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Either way, it's it's so weird looking that it's hard not to watch. You know what I'm saying? Like it grabs your eye. Oh yeah, it's definitely eye catching. It's just I feel like the main drawback of the series at the moment is the dialogue. And that's <laughs> super weird. It's kind of it kind of feels like uh adults writing children like imagining and then writing chil- um uh, children's like slang and lingo and it just sometimes it works, but a lot of times it just doesn't and it kind of leaves you kind of confused at what's going on. Well, and think... then uh, there's the whole hacker kid who oh the hacker kid jesus uh, his dialogue is just it's cruciating uh, yeah it's just nerdy birdie <laughs> i'm like oh shut the fuck up yeah and just so lovey yeah lovey lovey what it actually struck me more as was mm-hmm. even worse than adults trying to write kids slang it's adults trying to imagine kids slang in the future yeah yeah so it kind of reminds me of like Newspeak from 1984 or how they talk in Clockwork Orange. Mm. Well, maybe that might be the point. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, maybe. I think that's what they're going for is to try to like sound like kids of the future in a world that like, you know, obviously you're the way that people talk online is not the way people talk in the real world. But if the real world and the online worlds are that connected, that merged, maybe you do. Maybe I definitely could see some of that happening, especially with like how integrated social media with is with the current population and how kids might use those re uh, interactions. Cause we already I, have like kids and stuff just normally doing like Fortnite dances all around the place. I heard a nine year old say poggers in the real world the other day. Oh God. It's spreading. <laughs> it's everywhere. Twitch has a broken containment breach. Where's SCP when you need it? <laughs> like whoop, yeah. It's just getting out. People mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it's just going to keep happening. No cap. Going to hear that out in the real world soon. Yeah, you don't hear that already. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that might be the the creepiest. Like like Doc said, the creepiest thing about the show might be how prescient it is. Yes. But we'll have to see about it because the first two episodes is mostly just essentially setting. Well, yeah, it's shenanigans, shenanigans, but setting it's setting up the premise and it's kind of just showing. It hasn't really gotten to the main conflict yet, which it's probably going to talk about. But it's kind of building up towards it. Yeah, but yeah. It, I definitely think it's going in an interesting place. It's just that it kind of has a shake. I'd say the first two episodes are kind of shaky. And that you kind of need to go with the flow with with the show. It's kind of yeah. To, it doesn't immediately ease you into the sh- the premise. It kind of reminds me. I'm, I'll admit that I'm watching it on potential a little bit. One because it's so cool to look at, but mm-hmm. also because of the potential of what it what it's teasing. Like just like another show that you and I are watching, Pizza Smile of the Ars Notoria. Oh, dear Lord. I only watched the first episode of that. You should watch the second episode. The second episode teased it even harder that there's like they're 
Remember they talked about bugs in the first episode. That comes up again in the second episode, but it becomes clear that when, when they say bugs, that's not what they mean. They don't mean insects. Yeah. And then they say bugs bring nights and nights bring destruction. So there, there's obviously a very dark undertone to that show that they're not letting peek through all the way yet. And I'm really interested mm-hmm. to see where it goes. Yeah. I recommend watching the second episode. If you're still not interested, then maybe you can drop it. But I would say I am, the first episode did not convince me. And I'm not waiting another one or two episodes for it to finally just drop the ball and show us what it's actually going to be about. Yeah. I was really interested. I will pro- pick it up once it finally get probably finishes. Because uh, I'm kind of in the mood where I'm probably just going to skip the first few episodes and get to the main point of the show let's about a show that's been somewhat divisive uh it was a manga that had a very strong following kind of almost like a cult following and Mm -hmm. the show so far has been divisive because the animation isn't great for some people that's a deal breaker for some people it's not so Mm -hmm. let's talk about lucifer and the biscuit hammer Woo! i don't think it's a deal breaker um, I've only watched like the first episode, but but the I mean the story shines through. I think the story still shines through, and I I really like the characters. Uh-huh. It it's it's rare to have. Uh, I mean, I guess it's not that rare, but it's it's nice to have characters that have such a strong personality, even in just the first episode, and like the nice um the way that. You know, normally you, you watch a show and they, they take the call to action, but hit the main character rejecting that call to action um, left an impression. I really enjoyed it. Plus, it was, really, it was really funny. Every time he grabbed the lizard and threw it off the balcony, it made me laugh. Yeah. I, mean, I knew nothing about this show. I'd heard the name, but didn't know anything about it. And I watched it, and I wasn't particularly struck by how apparently awful it was i mean i guess looking at it there, yeah there's quite a lot of shortcuts used and clearly it's not had the most money spent on its production but i think it still tells the story okay the second episode is fine so i'm going to keep watching it and uh, i think the characters are fun as well um I, especially like the girl don't know quite i don't really understand why she wants to destroy the world but um okay um did but, you see yeah. the second episode yeah yeah, <laughs> I did watch it. Other than so, she feels she owns it, so therefore she can destroy it or something. Yeah, like, she loves the Earth and she wants it to be hers, but it, it can't really be hers if it outlives her. So she's going to destroy it. That makes perfect right. sense. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly flawless logic. Right. So she's crazy then. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> All the best characters are crazy. Uh, yeah. I have to agree. Like I, I could see that the animation is very stiff and it's very limited. It's not great, but it's not terrible. It's not uh, like X arm or, you know, no. berserk bad. So it's watchable. And the characters like uh, Ray said, and I agree are so good. And the writing is so good that I really enjoyed the first two episodes. The same episode, especially um, got into some more heavier stuff. There's some heavy stuff going on in this show beneath the kind of goofy exterior. And those main two characters are already so great that I'm, I'm hooked. I also really like uh, her sister and how she ran him over with this fucking scooter. I don't know why that was funny to me, but it was, <laughs> but like their relationship is also really funny. So I'm, I, I don't know. 
it's not going to win any awards for animation, obviously. And I understand some people who are huge fans of this manga because I've heard of the manga for years. You know, this and Spirit Circle from the, they were from the same guy, and they both have really big followings. So I can mm-hmm. see like what they wanted was like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood levels of of like drama. They wanted UFO Table to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I get it. You're not going to get that, but it, they got the characters and the story right, as far as I can tell. And that should be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's fucking great, at least so far. Yep. Okay. Another really interesting show. This uh, I'll have to admit, when we did this show on the preview podcast, it, it sounded like a, a harem action show, kind of like Strike the Blood. And I mean, it takes place on a, a man-made floating island, and it's got a, a, a guy surrounded by women fighting for him. Well, so the two parallels, women. well, two women so far, but this, so the parallels were there. I mean, that yeah. nun keeps showing up. We don't know what her deal is yet. She actually hasn't shown up in this show at all. She's just in the opening. <laughs> so I, I, I wasn't quite expecting it to be as good as it's been. And we got three episodes of this. The most recent episode was very interesting. What show are you talking about, right? I'm Engage leading up kiss. to it. It's, it's Engage Kiss. I was leading ah, up to my reveal okay. title. Right. Talking about engage kiss about uh, 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 we had when we when in the previous uh, episode of this podcast that disappeared into the ethers, um, yeah. there was some complaining about the main character. Uh, well, he's too much because he's too much of an asshole, a loser. But he's really just a guy who's kind of broken. Yes, literally. Bit. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, like episode two and three gave him a lot, a lot more layers, and his relationships got more layers. And the the show is still kind of trashy. And it's very action heavy, and it still is kind of it's not a harem. I don't count harem unless you have three girls at least. So so far, mm-hmm. not technically a harem, but it's got those kind of elements on it. But it's also way more interesting than I expected. Yeah, it actually, like instead of a harem, it actually kind of feels like a soap opera. Ooh. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I was giving it a pass because it has a pink-haired girl, um, <laughs> but I was about to drop it because I was getting bored. But then, just towards the end of episode three, when it kind of shows its hands as to what the premise really is, it's like, oh, that's actually interesting. There's some real emotional pain and tragedy there. So I'll maybe keep watching it. Yeah. But I wasn't that impressed with it otherwise. Fair enough. Really, the I action was... scenes are really good. Yeah, the action, the action scenes, scenes are really good. Yeah. But I think mm. the overall, like, the the main theme about, like, capitalism and how it kind of just fucks over the people who don't play by its rules mm. is a very interesting topic and I'm kind of on board to see how that plays out and I also find the characters well the main three characters and their dynamics to be incredibly engaging like mm-hmm. I really like how uh, the show plays up the ex-girlfriend and um, the current girlfriend the pink haired girl's relationships in that it has a lot of interesting dynamics. Like when uh, the main guy tries to ask the ex-girlfriend for some help, the ex-girlfriend checks uh, the the current girlfriend's social media account and <laughs> she gets really pissed off at the main guy. And it's also revealed that uh, the ex-girlfriend is her, uh, the current girlfriend's only social media follower. And that's just a hilarious like, that was interaction. Very yes. Yeah. Like, the writing kit, the show does a great job of mixing its humor with its, with its drama and its discussions very well. And I just like 
it's really fun to watch it play out no matter what it's talking about. Yeah, it's kind of slow played his hand a little bit. Like you got the first episode, it's like, look at this loser goof who had who left a company to start his own loser company. And mm-hmm. you know, he can only achieve stuff because of his, you know, demon girlfriend and his ex-girlfriend's still pining for him. What a yeah. what a bunch of crap. And it's a goofy action series. And then it slowly over episode two and episode three, you start like the layers start poking through. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is a little deeper than I thought. And then by the end of episode three, you're like, this is a lot deeper than I thought. Yeah. And the relationships become like the relationship between uh, the demon girl and the ex-girlfriend is, is already fun. Like you said, episode one, episode two, by the end of episode three, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. It's really interesting and very complicated. And uh, I just really like, well, do you want to just kind of spoil the kind of the twists in episode three? Because I think okay, yeah. Spoiler alert: know. If you don't yeah. want to know the twists, in if you want to go in blind, engage, kiss, jump ahead about five minutes. Yeah, but essentially, it's revealed that the main guy is essentially using the current girlfriend um, to essentially get some nebulous goal, but to actually like unleash the current girlfriend's like full power. He actually has to give up memories to her to like fully power her up. And this is very interesting because essentially the main character sacrificed his like love and relationship with the ex-girlfriend to get the current girlfriend's power. And it's quite clear that the main guy doesn't actually even like the the current girlfriend. And it's just kind of interesting to see this guy's kind of self-immolate himself to achieve this nebulous goal. I just well, want to... It, it's not nebulous. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that he's, right, he's trying to find his sister. Yeah. But still interesting to see what lengths he would go to to actually get to this goal. And I kind of feel like this show can either end up as a kind of... Well, it'll have very good stakes towards the end, and the main character could just straight up die at the end or something else. And... I'm just very interested to see what happens to him and yeah, what he could pull, he he could could cover. A, he could pull a Charlotte and just be empty at the end of it. Can't remember anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. Like, because it, it early on, it looks like it's just like a standard. Yeah, he's fate. just kind of a scumbag. And it, it, it looks like a fate style mana transfer. Like, he kisses her to give her power, whatever. But it turns out, like she's, he's deleting his memories and the stronger, more and more important, the memory to that person, the stronger, the power up. So mm-hmm. like he gives up memories of his first date with his ex-girlfriend who he clearly still loves to get mm-hmm. this demon killed. I'm like, that is some deep shit. Yeah. And what's even more like delicious about this is the demon delicious. girl like gets to keep those memories. So she is fully aware of the main guy's like devotion towards the ex-girlfriend and the ex-girlfriend knows nothing about this. And it's just so interesting because it adds a little extra spice to all of their interactions. Yeah, there's that, that, that scene where like you realize that she knows that she was wearing the same outfit from their first date when they met in the park. And he doesn't remember it at all. And she doesn't know why he doesn't remember it. And that's just kind of sad. Yeah. It's so sad. Anyway. Yeah. But just the l- last thing... I want to add to this is apparently the main writer for this series is the guy who wrote white, Al- white album too. So that might mean something to oh, Jesus. other people. Oh, Oh, I am way more interested now. <laughs> <laughs> really? It just means the ending's going to suck. <laughs> no, the ending of the white album too 
was the ending of the first part of the visual novel, and they never adapted the two-thirds of the visual novel. <laughs> All right, so maybe that, that could very well happen here again. Here, we're going to end it at the worst possible place forever. Also, the same writer's doing uh, Classroom of the Week, which is also airing this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to talk about that one, but I do enjoy that show. Yeah, maybe next next week or next podcast. Right. Uh, so here's another show. Uh, the legend there's a, a show called Ruby. I'm sure some of you are familiar with R W B Y, which Ruby. we call Ruby, which should be Wawuby. Wawuby. When it first came out, you know, by Rooster Teeth back in the day, the CG. I, I was really interested in the setup. All right, the. Mm-hmm. The characters were, seemed interesting, and the world they built was really interesting. But the CG is so horrendous, and I have such a personal distaste for 3D CGI anyway mm. that I couldn't watch it. I couldn't get myself to do it. But I always promised that if they came out with a traditional animated version of it, I would watch it. And then they did. It's called Ruby Ice Queendom. It dropped, so I went and watched it, and I liked it. What did you think, Pizza? Yeah, I thought it was actually pretty good. Like, I think it did a pretty good job of like compressing a lot of the character like the characterization for the main cast very well like they made and they also clarified some issues that weren't uh covered in the like the mainline series and also the fight scenes look really good so yeah it's overall i think it's a fairly solid setup um but my one concern with it right now is that it's kind of speed running through like the first three like volumes of Rui, uh, Rui but I think that's okay since it seems to be doing its own thing. So pacing wise, I think it's going a little fast, but it's still doing a pretty good job. I thought the first two episodes of pacing was fine. The third episode was just crazy. They just oh yeah, definitely. And that jammed so much into that. Yeah. Well, I think that might be because they aren't really going to be covering the stuff cover that was kind of set up in the third episode. Yeah. Like they pretty much cut out all of a. Uh, all of a big fight scene that was in the original series and focused more on like Weiss's uh, relationships to her team and generally all the, and the faunus or the animal people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty good because that's what's going to be focused on, on in the main series, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And it's been a long time since I watched the original version of Ruby, so mm-hmm. I don't know. When 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 did volumes one and two come out? Was, was it like more than ten years ago or something like that? Something like that. At least, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, so I'm, I'm, but I remember I, the, the, watching this, it, there were certain scenes that were lifted straight from it. I was like, well, I remember watching that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that bit. Um even if I didn't remember how it all fitted together. Um mm-hmm. and I really I really like the the character designs. Oh yeah, they're still really good. They're, they're they're done this version by the guy who does the designs for Steinsgate. Oh, um, oh yeah, I forgot this was made. By, this show was made by Shaft. Yeah, so the, the characters look really good, and because I was I was looking at this, I recognize these designs from somewhere. What is this? And I looked it up. I was like, oh, <laughs> they look like Steinsgate's characters. Yeah, yeah, um, but in a fantasy setting. So and it looks good, um, and some of some of the action scenes are are, are really awesome as well. Yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised by this. I wasn't even going to bother watching it, but I decided to watch all three episodes this afternoon, and I was glad I did. I'm going to keep watching it. Yeah, same here. It's just kind of annoying that they're basically just Crunchyroll's basically releasing episodes two and three like individually now, even though they released all episodes one through three in a big chunk like 
two weeks ago. But they, they used that extra time to clean them up a little bit. So they, oh, they, they pre, did? Pre, the pre-release versions weren't completed. So oh. the versions that I watched today had uh, apparently extra bits added into them, just like, like special effects and tidied up things. And, oh, okay. Um, so basically, the it's like a Blu Ray release. Yeah, yeah, basically. So I'm, I I don't feel bad that I waited until the <laughs> the third episode was released. Gotcha. That makes sense. But mm-hmm. yep, as like I said, I came into it blind because because I'd never actually got around, like I said, to watching any of it, and I thought it was great. So mm-hmm. yeah, fan, and, fantastic action sequences. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I really like how it streamlines a lot of the chafe that was in the fir- like the first few like the original Ruby. Like, yeah. they completely cut out the bully, like, arc with John, which is nice. And they didn't ha- they basically went from them getting transported over to Beacon to, like, the first test with, like, all the Grimms in the forest. And that was a nice change, because mm. the Academy stuff was just really boring. Yeah. The good but thing yeah. about coming back for a second pass of the story like this is you can, you know, fix mistakes that happened the first time. Yeah, and I'm also interested to see where it, uh, where the show's going because essentially it is going in an anime original direction, focusing in on like dream worlds, and I'm very interested to see how that plays out because Shaft is known for its kind of trippy worlds. If you remember Madoka Magica, mm-hmm. yeah, so it'll be I'll interesting. Forget. A lot less uh, neck tilting in this show than I would expect from Chef. <laughs> True. Have them tighten. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's Ruby. 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 I do want to. I want to call out Licorice Recoil. Oh yeah. Because that show is so much better than I anticipated. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's probably the most popular new anime, well, original series anime at the moment on in the interwebs. And I can definitely see it, why, because it's a very solid action series with good production values. It looks yeah, so it's, pretty. It, it's like, I called it Gunslinger Girl without being depressing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I thought exactly the same thing. Like if you took like it's it's you know uh, orphans being taken in and, and run through an organization except without the horrific abuse or the short lifespans. Mm-hmm. Uh, a much more disturbing person said it was like like kite without the sexual abuse, but I was like I don't really want to think about kite ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, it, like I said, this is never a show that is a uh, hundred times better than I expected from the preview. Um, Especially these last couple episodes, it's just it's just a really interesting idea. It's being executed at a pretty high level. Yes, mm-hmm. like you know, Squirrel Girl, Secret Agents. I mean, that's a great idea anyway, but it's being done really well. Yeah, but it's interesting because it's basically um, a totalitarian state is using uh, school girls to essentially enforce their will on the populace, and it's kind of well. One, it's fun to see just like anime the anime won't well, this show just go through all of its action scenes because it's very creative and interesting but it also uses technology in interesting ways and how it engages with that technology is also very interesting mm-hmm. yeah. and, it, and it doesn't like what's interesting is it doesn't take the easy road where like it's a totalitarian state but it's not default a villain necessarily 
Yes. Like it's, it's complicated and it's got issues, but it's not necessarily the bad guys. I think that's an interesting approach. Yeah. And uh, it, um, there, it does have a distinction saying that not everybody in the system is bad, but some of the bit players who are acting on their own can cause the system to act in a bad way. Yeah. Oh, like this show had me like the first two minutes when, uh, Takuna was like, fuck it, I'm going to take this 50 cal and just shoot everybody. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm in, show. You've, you've got me. Yeah, but I also like how the consequences of Takuna's actions, uh, that's the black-haired girl in the, all the promotional materials, um, basically plays out. Uh, basically, her, her higher-ups actually uh, pr- like agreed that she made the right move in like taking actions into her own hands was probably the right call. But she ha- uh, they had to punish her because um, some of the tech on their the scapegoat. Yeah, basically they had to scapegoat her due to like some other implications, which would be much worse if it got out. And it's really inter- it's really engage. The characters are really interesting to watch because they engage with, like, they actually engage with all the bullshit that happens in the series. Like, I am a big fan of Chisato. Who is like the like Shadow rules? Yeah, like the blonde-haired girl in the promotional materials, because she basically calls out her superiors for throwing Takina under the bus, and it's great. Plus, she's a badass action girl who can basically well, she basically has bullet time and can dodge bullets as they're flying at her, and it's great. I love I love the explanation of why she can do that. Like, part of it is just she's a genius, but it's like it's it's easier for her to dodge bullets if you're well trained because she knows where you're gonna shoot. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was like I can't argue with that. That's actually not a bad explanation. It's just really yeah. cool to watch her just walk through bullets, though. Every time they do that, it's cool as fuck. Yeah. Though, so, yeah, it's just great to watch, and I will say it kind of feels like it's still setting up its main premise, but it has what it has shown us is very strong, and it's a lot of fun so far. And I think it seems like it's going to go in interesting places, but we'll see. Also, it has a really it has really good dialogue as well, and it gets you to feel the right things at the right time. Like the dialogue in episode three was mm, perfect, so good. I also, I also like to use once again an anime of anime's favorite flower, the forget me not. Not nah. anime loves the forget me not. Uh, what happened? Um, looks like oh, looks like Ray Kaze uh, dropped out for a second. Okay, let's yep. see. Wait for him to get back. Oh, there he is. There he is. All right, it's me. Huh? It's me, Rikaze. Okay. But, uh, do we have anything else to say about Licorice Recall? But besides the fact that you should be watching it. No, you should be watching it, and watch out for the forget me nots. Yes. Uh, I do want to bring this up. Uh, Ray and Doc, you guys have, have started watching the new season of Made in Abyss. Picking up from yeah. where the most depressing movie of all time finished. Mm. So wh- yeah. how's, it, how's it going so far? It, it's it's good. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty standard for Made in Abyss. There's gross bodily functions and gloopy things and um, weird shaped people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, picking up right after the the movie, like they they they're not sustaining that energy. Thankfully, I need a little bit of a, a pick me up. But, yeah. I mean, 
like always, Man Abyss does a really great job of like showing alien worlds, like the feeling of adventure, the feeling of a scary, dangerous place. The the atmosphere of Man Abyss, even when it's not going a hundred percent, is just beautiful. The abyss is such a wonderful, fascinating setting, and and the 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 new um episodes are exploring the world even like like and then they're doing a good job of unraveling and setting a mystery up for us especially in regards to like one of the more interesting parts of main abyss is the hollow like when people go up from from the abyss the curse um they're doing interesting things with that yeah i, I like I, I totally agree with what you mean about the sense of adventure thing i mean that's that's the kind of story that i probably like the best it's just folks going off into the unknown just to see what's there and made in abyss is just one of the very best examples of that um and you know it's it's dangerous all sorts of horrible things happen but you know the characters are they're still quite you know peppy they're still quite bright and they're still excited about what they're doing it's just fun to watch them, and um, whenever they cook anything, oh dear God, is it so gross! <laughs> like, they, like they, um, they they cook these eggs that have got these, like these animals that have almost fully grown in them, so they're like kind of cooking embryos. <laughs> like they're still twitching when even when cooked. It's ah, so gross, um, but apparently they taste really good. Yeah, the um, the moving while they were cooked. That that was. <sighs> It's still moving in my mouth. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, the, the animated David Cronenberg. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that sort of stuff in it. Have you read the, the manga, Rikazi? No, I just started binging it. Um, right. Yeah, so I, that, I was super far behind. So this season's going to cover, I think, the big story arc that runs from um, volume 6 through to volume 10. There is some really messed up stuff coming. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I mean, I had to read the manga twice to even understand what was happening. Um, I think if it's adapted well, this will be very good. Um, but it, some some parts of the manga, you look at it, what what am I even looking at here? I, I don't I don't understand. I mean, I can see that it's slimy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's shiny, but what is it? <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's it's a great time. Uh, <laughs> it's a great time. Oh, uh, it's still twitching in my mouth. Oh, my arm, arm. It's a great time. <laughs> it's such a weird show because it it does. Just two main characters do maintain such a weird, optimistic viewpoint, even as like they have to hack her arm off because it's poisoned. And what happens yeah. with Mitty, which doesn't yes. need to be discussed again. Yes. So, it's just it's yeah, so much really horrible shit happens, and then they just keep on going. Doo, doo, doo. Yeah, if you want to know what happens to Mitty, you need to watch slash read it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 and then cry for a while. You can't really describe. You can tell someone what happens to Mitty, but you can't understand unless you experience what happens to Mitty. Yeah, <laughs> you just it's, it's even hard to put into words. It's just like I'm sad. <laughs> that, that is really all I could have said. It's just yeah, made a bit. It makes you sad, but you keep coming back for more. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a hot pepper, you know. It's like oh, it's so hot. Let me get some more of that. I I can't wait until this season is over, and then we can just all have a sort of PTSD style sort of group breakdown. That'll be great. Okay, 
Uh, I do want to real quick, Doc, um, run through a show that I'm really, really, really fascinated by, but it's still locked in Disney Plus jail. We don't know if it'll ever spring free. uh, Summertime rendering. I love this show so much. That is a crime that this is not like legally available. It's so good. It's, it's one of those things, much like Made in the Best, where you watch an episode and it's over in like three minutes. There's always some kind of horrible cliffhanger and the, the plot progresses like really masterfully and adding like new wrinkles and new complications and stuff. And it's, it's just a really good, thriller kind of kind of show i mean it's a lot like higurashi but not anywhere near as goofy as goofy um and there is a it's really quite dark and disturbing <laughs> maybe not selling it here but um yeah i it's it's really really good and maybe this is the sort of show that's worked better with binging maybe that's why Disney's hanging on to it so they can just release it all in one big sort of unholy splurge i don't i don't know but they've not even breathed a word about their plans for this internationally at all. Nobody knows what's happening with it. Um, so I've just given up waiting, and that's why I'm just torrenting it. That's, that's really saying something, given, like, Doc always, always tries to go and watches everything legally, so... Yeah, I mean, I'm totally anal about it. But um, with this... I just, I don't see how, any hope <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm very strict, never pirate kind of guy. And even I'm, I'm seriously considering it because I want to see this thing and I'm starting to think I probably never will if I don't sail the seven seas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's, it's worth abandoning your conscience for. We need to go on change.org and get a hashtag free summertime rendering. Yeah. Honestly, if it gets to the end of the show and Disney still have got no inclination of, of anything, I think I think we should start some kind of online riot. I think we, we need to do that. <laughs> Burn down the internet. Hey, yeah. the anime industry has done a lot worse. Like, no, no second season of No Game, No Life. But I will admit... Macross! Was, for yeah. 30 years! <laughs> I will admit... That's one uh, company's fault, though. Yeah... But we're getting it now. We're getting so we're much getting macros. It now. Ah, it's so delightful. <laughs> Enough macros to make you sick. <laughs> hey, you didn't need macros. You had Robotech. Yeah. <laughs> I like Robotech. Uh... Okay. Uh, before we move on to our topic, uh, let's go through one anime adjacent thing. Uh, I will throw out, by the way, before we move on completely, that there's another show uh, I really enjoyed this season. Uh, Utawara Ramuno, also known as Underwater Ray Romano, or Uta Watermelon. Yes. Mask of Truth, really good. Fantastic. Uh, picking up right off where the last show ended. Yes. And uh, it's so, it has such a big cast and it handles it so well. And the character design and animation is so good. I love this show. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm glad we're getting to this because it's actually covering a lot more serious topics as opposed to like the second season, which was. Kind of felt like a lot of slice of life shenanigans, then a lot of cool stuff happened at the end of the second season. Yeah, they wasted a lot of time in the second season with the you know, shenanigans and harem building, but now it's now everything's going to shit. Yeah, you know, the shit is hitting multiple fans, and I'm it's really cool. Yeah, and is this, is this an adaptation of the games? Yes, yes. Each right. season is an adaptation of one game, so this is the third game. Yes. Okay, because I have the games, I just not played them. Do you? Would you suggest I play the games or watch the anime? 
Uh, oh, yeah. you know, I can't make a. I didn't play the games, obviously, but I loved yeah, all. Yeah, I haven't. Play, I haven't played the games either, but I am interested right. in playing them. Okay, but the anime is understandable without playing the games. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm having anime. no trouble. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah, you can even pick. You can even pick up the third season of anime without watching too much of the first or second season because it does a pretty good job of recapping what it went on in those yeah. last seasons without taking up too much time. It's mm. one of the better recaps I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah, and I just like how it shakes up the main cast as well because um, essentially one of the major characters in the last season actually dies and the main character, Haku, actually has to take his place because the guy who died was... Uh, like one of the major generals in the nation they're living in. So it would be a big deal if uh, Oshitaru, the general's name, was known to be dead. And it's just seeing Haku's like trying to imitate, like uh, seeing Haku try to imitate what Oshitaru would do is really interesting because uh, Haku never actually got to see Oshitaru like put in such a serious situation and all he really had as to go on is like the support of his little sister and two of his uh like retainers to actually help him pull off this uh switcheroo and you're already seeing some cracks in this some cracks in this uh charade and it's just really interesting to watch like you just imagine you know it's emotionally fraught because you know he had to take on this guy's, you know, face and, you know, try to live up to his, what he thinks that guy would do while his sister tries to mourn a brother that nobody else knows is dead. Meanwhile, he has to hang out with all of his friends who think he's dead. So it's, uh, that's some, it, it's, it's complicated. It's like I said, without all the shenanigans and harem stuff from the first, se- second season, it's not as fun, but it is really good. Yeah, it's a very engaging war story, and uh, just so it—it's kind of setting it itself up in a way that so you can see that where it's so many things could fall apart, and like our some of our main ca- uh, main character main cast may not make it out of this conflict alive. So yeah, yeah, it's just the stakes are really high, and it's just very interesting to watch. Yep. Uh, also, one last thing for any of you Isekai fans out there, like I am, uh, Parallel World Pharmacy. Oh wait, wait. Uh, before we go to that, uh, okay. I also wanted to mention uh, Gugsy brought this up in the mythical uh, podcast that probably happened. Is that the mate uh, Haku is actually voiced by the guy who voiced Oshitaru in the last season? Because apparently, the main voice actor for uh, Haku actually passed away already between oh, yeah, yeah. That the, is the second and third season. So it's just it's just a kind of an interesting fact that we have what our main character imitating another character, but the guy who played the other character is imitating the guy who played the first character. So it's just kind of like is a very fun, playing fun, a dude pretend to be another dude. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's just a fun it's just a fun piece of trivia. Okay, like I said, if you're an isekai uh, fan like I am, Parallel World Pharmacy, a lot better than I expected it to be. Paying a lot more attention to a detail than a lot of isekais do in that show. So I, uh, I, I read I the manga. It. I read the manga. Um, I, I have to say the beginning's pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're only two episodes in. Run out of steam. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. All I I know is two episodes into the anime, at least, I'm finding it pretty engaging. Mm -hmm. All right, so Ray and Doc, let's talk about AI, the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative, since I know you both are chomping at the bit to discuss it. (laughs) This this, as a visual novel, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Um, Well, sort of. It's got visual novel aspects to it. Yeah, none of Uchikoshi's, other than the Infinity series, they're not really visual novels if you describe visual novels as just text and, like, Mm. choices. Because they all have puzzle elements, so it's better described as an adventure game. Yeah, it's more like a a point-and-click adventure game. In in a way, it's a lot like games from, like, back in the 1990s. Um, Like, I I don't know. um, Like, what, Monkey Island? Island. Yeah, 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 a bit like that. Except like sort of modern, full throttle, like that. yeah, yeah, full throttle, yeah, that that kind of stuff. Like there's, um, was there like LucasArts games or something? Yeah, like that was yeah. That, that was back in the glory days of LucasArts. Yeah, yeah, very much like that. Oh, um, okay. Well, I'm much but, more interested now. But but very Japanese and really bonkers. Yeah, um, the thing with Uchikoshi is that I think he is the person who pushes storytelling the hardest in regards hmm. to perspective. And in regards to the genre and medium of which you are using the storytelling. Because some of the twists of perspective and genre savviness, they're bonkers. The yeah. <laughs> They're just like, holy shit, every time you see it, they just, there's nothing like it. There really isn't. And uchikoshi games for the longest time have been some of my favorites um the zero escape series the ones that came out before the the new eye the somnium files um are easily my favorite games like just period um and and i've just been evangelizing them for for like Almost a decade now. The reason I started doing reviews was because of 999 and Ever 17. So I'm always super excited for the new one. And Nirvana Initiative is interesting. I I loved it. I've not really played any of his other games. I've only really played the first um, AI game. I've played a bit of 999 because I have the Nonary Games collection on the PS4. Um, but I got interrupted playing that because I started playing AI instead. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I really loved the first game, and I loved it so much that I pre-ordered the special edition of this new one, which came with a figurine of one of the characters that I'm yeah. going to put on my on my shelf at work. I um, have. Uh, go ahead. You, do you have the same one? You probably do. Yeah, um, I have a whole like shelf for like I have. I, I like to call it my Uchikoshi shrine. Okay, <laughs> um, where I have I have the collector's edition for the first one. I have like so Ever Seventeen um, is like one of his earliest games, like two thousand two ish. And and those the English copies are very rare. I I found it at in Little Tokyo in L A. Like for thirty bucks when it was like three hundred on eBay. So. Ooh. So I, I've made a little shine with all of those. All the watches you got with the pre-orders of the Zero Escape games. Um, and and the, the figure is going to look great in that. But I mean, to explain what AI is like... It's, it's yeah, I was going like to say, a... like, 
If you it's, had it's, a, it's like a, de- a detective game. Like you, you essentially play a detective with the police who is investigating a bizarre series of murders. Yeah. Um, and one of the ways that you investigate this is if there are um, witnesses, then you, you take them to the police station where they have a device called a, a somnium machine where they, they basically sedate the person, make them go to sleep, and you can enter, while conscious, their dreams and you inter- interrogate their subconscious. <laughs> um, and it's, it's as, um, as weird as it sounds. Um, there's all sorts of very strange dream logic and you, you walk about in their dreamscape and you can interact with various objects and you can choose to do various things with them. Not all of them progress the plot. Some of them just lead to just very strange consequences. I mean, there, there's just a bizarre sense of humour. I mean, you're dealing with really disturbing stuff about people being like sliced in half and you know frozen and hidden in cupboards and things. Um, and... You know, people, you know, children losing their parents and people being tortured and having genetic experiments on them and stuff like that. But then there's like long running jokes about pornography. It's just, it's, yeah. it's got such such a weird tone to it, but it's 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 really funny and I I like it. And the characters are so well drawn. Um, you know, you really do fall in love with this bizarre cast of characters. Yeah. Um, I. I one of the things about I, the Somniophiles, that really stands out, for me at least, is how even the like side characters are fascinating and interesting. Mm. The mm-hmm. There's like one character who has like a square head. He's like, <laughs> he's a comedian and like a yeah. trivia guy. And mm. he's such a great character for how, like, he's not one of the the main casts like he's not a person who you follow but he's like he's just an example of a side character that's so well like integrated into the story and well developed that even side characters like that feel like main characters yeah um i like the receptionist girl I don't know if you spoke to her at all. Yeah. <laughs> There's like an alternative ending where if you if you keep on talking to the receptionist girl in in, in this building, then you, you can just run away with her. I'm so glad that they did that in the second game too. <laughs> it's just, it just sort of ends the game. It's like you run off to a seaside resort and decide to just pack in the game and that's it. Like, oh. <laughs> okay, so I, I think I can be safe in assuming that you guys both recommend the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Great. What, what's it available on? It's on most consoles. It's actually on the first one's actually on Game Pass if you have that. Um, so like PC, Xbox, Switch, PS4. Yeah. Yeah. I played on everything. Yeah, and and uh, Rikazi, you've you've got the Switch version, I think, didn't you? I have the Switch version. It yeah, stutters but... on the Switch version. I I'm not like well, I don't know how much of its performance <laughs> issues are related to me binging it for like eight hours straight, or mm-hmm. related to the game I... actually having performance issues. Mm-hmm. But I can I can recommend playing this while very unwell because I, I this is what I spent most of my week off work with COVID doing was uh, either, either febrile and watching bizarre anime or febrile and just playing this game that just gave me existential horrors. So yay. Okay. Existential horror is always good. Mm. Yeah. Right. So if you, oh, if you, oh, one, if you, one, one more thing about this, mm. um, before each of the games, there was what's called an ARG that ran. 
Oh yeah, uh, so an augmented reality game. They would do stuff on social media that ties into the game. Uh, mm. The first one was a bit of a red herring, um, but the second one put such an interesting twist on the events. It definitely misleads you in some places, but at the same time, it completely does it in others. I think the ARG adds a totally interesting element, like a totally different element to the game. If you haven't, like, Doc, if you haven't read through the ARG, highly I've, um, recommend. I've, I've watched a YouTube video summary of it. Or I've, yeah, not fin- I've not finished the whole thing of it, but um, yeah, I have an idea of what it was about. Yeah. All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, half of the podcast recommends AI the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. And it's uh, ARG. Good Make sure to that. play the first one before the second one. Uh, you can technically get through because the stories aren't related, but it'll add a lot if you play the first one. Yeah, definitely. And it's a great game anyway. Yeah. All right. So uh, moving on to our topic for the week. Just do a, you know, a quick run through here. Basically, uh, isekais. Very, very... Uh, it's a controversial topic these days. Some people really, like me, watch all of them. Some people, like Doc, hate their existence and wish for them to all to die. Uh, most people are kind of met on them. I think we can all agree, even people like me uh, that watch a lot of them, that there maybe needs to be less of them. And yeah, that too we many... ca- yeah, we might want to start moving on to the next fad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, let's get into those Otome games. Let's go. Get yeah. some more of those. But uh, so my question to, to the podcast members here today is, if you're you're giving creative control of a show that has to be an isekai, what would you do with the isekai? What what element would you want to infuse to make it different than the standard, you know, I'm the strongest sage with the weakest, you know, harem kind of stuff that comes out? Uh, I can go. Yeah. I, I would say turn it into that. yeah. I'd turn it in turn it into a Shakespearean comedy because goddamn that. All Shakespeare's plays have a lot of style to them, while all of the cur- like a vast majority of the current isekais have absolutely no style to it. Besides, oh, it's video game. It's a video game world with menus and drag quest slimes. Do you Woo. think an anime, an anime can emulate that style convincingly and effectively? I've seen Blast in the Tempest. It did a decent job. It's fun, right. at least. Would you want like the character to be Isekai to like a Shakespearean world, or you want an Isekai where they talk like Shakespeare? I want them to talk like Shakespeare and do funny stuff and make dumb puns. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch. Yeah, because uh, I, even if they were transported to a Shakespearean world, it like that would just be like the styling and everything. I want the characters to act and be incredibly goofy, over the top, and very campy because that sounds very fun. Last poor Yuji, I knew him well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, hey, why not? Am I, I would watch it because I wouldn't understand a fucking word they said because I can, I, I could, I struggle with Shakespeare so greatly. I, I mm-hmm. cannot understand what they're saying. Yeah, fair enough. But honestly, I just wanted to have a lot of style. Like honestly, um, a lot of style that really engages with me is very funny and maybe has an interesting story and fun, char- interesting characters, like. I would love to see what the Monty Python guys could do with an isekai premise because they'd probably oh take God. the piss out of it so well. Uh, I need that now. Now that, now that you've said that, that has to happen. 
Yeah, like, we already kind of got a, a taste of what they did with Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. I need like, John Cleese to be to be isekai to another world now. <laughs> true. Be like really grumpy and offensive over there, too. Yes. <laughs> Just being an old grumpy man in a new world. It's like, what is all this nonsense? <laughs> mm-hmm. All or right. we could get an expansion on, like, the Death Bunny or the Troll with his quest, like, his riddles and stuff. Okay. Some what is your favorite color? Tim. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rock, what would you do? So, my biggest problem, I, I actually do enjoy isekais. I watch quite a bit of them, so I'm with Rec. But I don't enjoy them because of isekai. I usually enjoy them because of whatever the show is. Um, yeah. My, my biggest problem with isekai is that they're always the generic fantasy. I mean, I feel like fantasy, it is another world. The whole idea to me of an isekai is that the world should feel alien. And early on, it did. Early on, it was exploring, like, isekai was exploring living, like, a, a person in our modern society living in another world. But isekai has been done to death so many times. Because it's always in the same setting with the circle starting city and the river in the middle of it and the king. It's all the same. What is the point of another world if you're always being plopped into the same another world? Give me future. Give me future elements. Give me some like alien world. Give me like something that isn't just fantasy. There are so many potentials in regards to settings. There's so many time periods. There's so many alien worlds, future things that could feel engaging, compelling. I, I'm just so tired of the same isekai city, the same fantasy world. I, I, I don't mind isekai, but I wish isekai committed to being isekai, another world, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to you know shake up the setting a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I will say that I think there's another factor to why a lot of these um, isekais feel so generic. In that, I feel like uh, a lot of them come from amateur authors or the Naru K Ninaru, or you want to be a, a writer website. So a lot of this is probably a lot of the author's first works. And two, I also I find mean, it interesting it's, it's that more than that, it, it's it's become the default setting. It, it's mm-hmm. become the next high school, you know. Yeah. So so even it, like you can have great isekai that like it, it is the setting when you don't want to worry about the setting. Yeah, and that is my problem. Yeah, and um, I think another part of that is a lot of these stories seem like just escapist fantasies, like. It, I think you've noticed, but a lot of these isekai protagonists pretty much end up there because they get, died of overwork or something like that, or they got hit by a truck, whichever. But it's just kind of interesting to see a lot of these parallels just kept using, uh, kept keep on being used all over and over again, and it just kind of makes me wonder if there's like some cultural aspect to why this is like the generic default for isekais nowadays. I mean, the the escapist part is totally understandable. I mean, 
I think Parasite does a really great job of explaining why that is. It's that we live in a society in which um, everything is so hard. It, it The system is stacked against most normal people, especially in Asia, where you have to either go through like some elite school and then once you even get that job you you have to schmooze and do all these like drinking with your boss bullshit that that it's understandable that that people in japan are fed up with with the structural society of japan but obviously um you know the same setting isn't the solution you can't no. just retread the same old things over and over again. It like the problem, yeah. of course, is that it's hard. It's too hard to blame authors and and manga artists for making the same setting because it keeps selling and it keeps yeah. working and they keep and they keep making anime of it. And as long as something keeps making money, they're going to keep pumping that out. Yeah, like but you're but you're right though. Like it's like. Isekai just means a person goes from one, our world to another. That can mean anything, and it, it is mm-hmm. time to, for that to be shaken up a little bit. Yeah, and would you say that it's more that the stories that um, these types of stories keep getting adapted, or is it no? Just they keep the getting big... made. So I just want to clarify that you're just kind of tired of like the general like web novels with these settings being made, not rather rather than. Um, having these stories be adapted into anime because I feel like there's a bit of discrepancy between what we actually see and then what actually becomes anime because I read a lot of manga and a fair amount of web novels too. So I've read a bunch of these. Enjoy a lot of them. I'm not saying that Isekai, I mean, but Isekai is good despite Isekai. Yeah. Like there are very few isekai that are good because of the isekai. And even if it's because they do something interesting with the world, like Spider has a really great world. Um or it has a strong gimmick like ReZero. Or they have a strong gimmick like ReZero. Isekai is good despite isekai, and isekai should be good because of isekai. Mhm. By the way, uh, listeners at home, take a shot every time someone says isekai. <laughs> isekai, 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 you're welcome. There are actually a few other things I'd like to just say. I really enjoy reverse isekais. I think there should be more of them. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also like the return from an isekai. I, I enjoy those, too. There's only a few of them. This season has a really good one. Yeah. Um, it's a shame we uh, didn't get to cover that since it's not legally available. Damn it, Netflix! And I also really enjoy it when they subvert the, like, fantasy nature. One of my favorite isekais is, like, our world has a better fantasy system than that world. So, like, magic, uh, the magic is so far behind. It's a light novel series. And uh, mm-hmm. and and I, I adore that because the main character is, is OP in fantasy stuff. Because he's a good magician in our world, and that is such an interesting twist. Mm-hmm. And this, like, it just ex- like th- there's so much to play with the nature of worlds, the nature of different societies. It's just so frustrating that they don't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Doc, you are on record as being an isekai hater. Um, you you hate isekai. So if I forced you to run one, what would you do to make it more palatable? I don't. I don't hate every isekai. Um, I mean, I do rate ReZero and Mushoku Tensei as two of my favorite anime. Um, okay. It's just 
It's just that most other isekai is derivative shite. Um, <laughs> as, as, as my colleagues have just uh, advised, because they're just, yeah, like default low, um, default settings with low effort world building. I, I, yeah, I hate the whole video game stats and just, oh, it's just, it just really, really bugs me. So, yeah, I like the other isekai that I've liked. I quite like the spider one, again, just because it was so clever, even though it did have lots of stats and stuff, it did something interesting with it. The thing that I liked a lot recently was the executioner and her way of life, where she just flats out, flat out murders the isekai character in the first episode. I thought, if we had more isekai like that, <laughs> where it just totally subverts expectations and does something creative and interesting with the story, then I'm fine with it. It's not so much the isekai genre that I despise it's the laziness um, but if you do something really interesting with that then I'll watch it and you know th- those that Executioner series I, I mean I, I liked it so much I went and read the next couple of volumes of the light novels which I really hope they now um, adapt into a season two because they're they're so interesting uh, I mean the, the idea being that the, these characters that are overpowered that are isekai from the real world into theirs are just basically like nuclear weapons. They are um, just world-ending threats. Uh, I, I I really like that, and so the best way to deal with them is just basically to slaughter them. So mm-hmm. yeah, more killing of isekai protagonists, and I'll be quite happy. So what you want to do to make an isekai better is try harder and kill more protagonists. Yeah, and and pink-haired girls, more of those, just like in the uh, <laughs> executioner. I can't believe I got I'm a pink-haired girl in another world. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Just just write good stories, not shite. Yes, <laughs> just try harder. Yeah, it's like pizza has a long good. answer. Pizza's got a long answer. Rekai's got a long answer. Doc's over here with be better. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think mine can be summarized as make isekai isekai <laughs> isekai isekai again you get your red hat <laughs> god damn it alright um, I feel bad for that <laughs> wreck you're bad and I, I should feel bad yes. isekai great again we go. <laughs> there we go uh. I've thought of this, about this a lot as a person who is a, a dedicated fan of the genre and often defends it uh, but I'm also tired of like isekai cheat magician getting in a fucking anime every year. Um, and I don't care about the strongest sage anymore. Stop giving me the strongest sage. So there's three things I've, I really, really want from an, an isekai. I would like, I, I don't need it to be every isekai. I just, I want to see a show do one of these things. One, I, I want an isekai protagonist who's not from Japan. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't isekai, Yeah. Give us an isekai protagonist from Burgerland for once. Yeah. Just, uh, give me a guy getting isekai to another world who's not from Japan. Give me someone who's Canadian or something. I don't care. Give me anybody. Give me someone from Nicaragua gets sent to another world. I just think it'd be more interesting if the if the cultural baked in of isekai wasn't there, right? Mm-hmm. They're not because like uh, isekai protagonists are way too genre savvy these days. Yeah. yeah. So if you just picked somebody from like let's say Saskatchewan who didn't watch anime, he wouldn't know what the fuck was going on. I think that would make it better. Yeah, and we'll avoid the stuff like the Black Summoner where the character is supposed to lose his memory, but he still knows he's a gamer and he's from Japan. Yeah, that really bothers me. <laughs> and I actually kind of like that show, but that part really bothers me. Mm. Um, 
number two and number three are kind of linked. But there's two things I've always wanted to see. One, I want to see isekais. And I know there's a couple that exist, but now they haven't done it, it well enough yet. I want them to be isekai to a sci-fi world. I want them, like like Rock was talking about, I want to see the setting go forward. I want him to get isekai to a world more advanced than ours, not less advanced. And I, I want to see technology, not magic. I would uh, much rather, I want to see someone ancillary to that i i I really love antiquity settings where like there's a ancient society in which they have future i mean technology that's amazing that isn't anything like our own technology you know that like in 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 anime and manga mediums they're so often used as something in the past why can't we go there yeah i want to i want to see the guy get isekai to a world where, you know, basically, what if you got woke up and you were easy into the world of Mass Effect? I think that would be awesome. Yeah. At the very least, it'd be an interesting story to tell. Yeah, well, uh, Rek, uh, Rekaze, have you ever played the classic game called Chrono Trigger? I fucking love Chrono Trigger. <laughs> yeah, and what a great <laughs> anime that would have been. Yes. Chrono Trigger's antiquity is is generally what I think of when I think of the, like, setting of antiquity. I think they do it so interesting. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah, Chrono Trigger is great. Also, and this is something I thought about because yeah, if you guys have played Earthbound, aka Mother, um, yeah, Mother Two, wait, wait, the the twist of it being like an RPG, but it's in like kind of a modern setting. I've always wanted to see that. It, what if you got Isekai from our world to another world, but it was basically the same level of technology and development? You got Isekai from the present day to an alternate world present day, right? Like a modern society at a more or less the same level, but with different, you know, culture, and you had to figure it out from there. There was no demon lord to slaughter. You had yeah. to figure out your world. You had to realign all of your expectations, but you didn't have to learn magic or fear the black plague because they hadn't developed magic yet. It's a shame that Tanya is the only one that's done that. Yeah, and, like, and these are the things I really want just, to see. Yeah. And like, I don't know why more people don't do that. Like I, I get why, like I said, I get why they pump out these generic uh, power fantasies in a, in a sword and sorcery setting because that works. It sells. Why not do it if it can get you noticed? But it has to be like a – like we've seen ones that take things in a different direction. We've seen the ReZeros or the Grimgar, you know, fantasy of Ash, which is very dark. You know, we've seen them take these in different directions. It can be done. I just want like – like to, to, to echo Doc, try harder. Yeah, I I think people's problem with isekai is is not isekai. It is just because it is the latest example of the lazy show. Yeah, um, right. Like we we went through the magical high school, and now we're going through isekai. There's always going to be a lazy genre. Like back in the, I mean, shonen back in the day wasn't particularly great in regards to like exciting well-made stuff but there's always going to be that lazy genre people attach to and an isekai is that right now hopefully yep. hopefully the problem is that it's gone on a lot longer than say magic it's been like a decade yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting to be past fad and getting into like bedrock of the you know, uh, you know of the industry where like was it like the uh, one studio wanted to make like five a year or six yeah. a year? And I'm like, okay, Mecca's died. Slow though. down. It'll it'll die eventually. Yeah, it, it, my hope is almost that it'll die off and then it'll get reborn because somebody comes up with a new way to do it. 
You could yeah. say the genre gets isekai'd. Yeah. Well, the isekai genre got set to another world. Anyway, so that's what we want. Uh, this will get posted on our website, so feel free to leave comments telling us what you want in your isekai. Um, I know you won't, but you free feel free to do so. And uh, that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. I have been your interim host, Requiem, and this has been Doc Kev. Bye bye. Uh, Ray Kaze. Hello. Bye bye. And that's my pizza. I have not been any psychoid yet. No, yeah. I mean, go get hit by a truck and see what happens. No. If no, you no. are a VTuber, are you isekaiing as a, a, a model? Is that does that count? I'm pretty sure that's the premise to some kind of web novel that Right Zeno's read. Right. No, there has to, that's a good question. Is there a, a one where someone gets isekaied as their VTuber model? Yes. Okay. That would actually be interesting. See, there's a good idea. Yes. Let's abandon isekai and go to the VTuber trend. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. No. Those are pretty lazy, too. Let it, yeah, this episode has been brought to you by the VTuber Singularity. Yes. Uh, Bye. Thank you, for, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.